0: Coming up on Locked on Dodgers, we've got some real journalism going on today, wherein I dug through legal documents, talked to actual real-life anonymous sources, and did everything I could to find out what's going on with Yasiel Puig's legal situation. And there is a bombshell here that, uh, unfortunately, is relevant to Dodger fans, and hopefully, uh, by putting it out in the public, it will get to where it needs to go so that things can be made right. But a lot to talk about, about Puig's legal situation. We're not going to get all the answers, but I do think you will have more answers at the end of this episode than you do at the start. And that's all we can hope for. So that's what's on tap. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. This is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time with us, my name is Jeff Snyder. My normal co host is Vince Samperio, although it's just me today. Vince I are both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. And today it's going to be a little bit more than a smart fans perspective. Uh, I, you know, I'm a journalist. I write about baseball uh, and I did some, uh, <laughs> some real journalism here. A lot of the time on this podcast, we're giving opinions and, you know, uh, things like that. I've got some real reporting to do, and uh, it's a little bit ugly at times. It's all about Yasiel Puig's current legal situation, and uh, I'm going to lay out what I've been able to find out. I've talked to, uh, well, I'll get into who I talked to about this, not specifics with names, but I'll I'll tell you all about it. Um, That's what this whole episode is going to be, and I hope that you will enjoy it and appreciate uh, the information. So, I became really interested in Puig's legal situation when he agreed to plead guilty to lying to federal investigators while they were investigating an illegal gambling operation. And then he changed his mind and withdrew from the plea agreement. As you might recall, I had talked to Puig's agent a week or two before that about his mental health issues and how he'd been dealing with them. Unfortunately, Puig and his representatives couldn't talk to me about the current situation because it's an ongoing legal proceeding. And as it stands right now, Puig is still being charged with lying to investigators, but he's chosen to plead not guilty and to fight the charges. So I've done a ton of digging, researching, and talking to multiple people with firsthand information of different details of the situation. Everybody I talked to was open and forthcoming on the condition that I keep them anonymous in discussing them. So in general, I'll just say I talked to two different people with direct knowledge of how Puig got involved with the gambling and how he placed the bets, which is very important information as you'll see later as we're talking about it. I also talked to someone with knowledge of the text conversations that shed some light on the government's claims that Puig lied and and his claims that he didn't lie. I also reviewed public legal documents that give us some key information. So first of all, it's important to note that Puig didn't change his plea to not guilty because they found a loophole. Puig's attorney said in a filing that they intend to pursue a defense of quote unquote factual innocence meaning he actually didn't do the thing he's accused of doing. So why does the government think Puig lied and Puig and his representatives think he didn't? Well, that's where things get a little bit muddy. So I'll lay out the timeline of events as best as I can, as best as I've been able to figure them out based on my own research and conversations and everything. Obviously I wasn't actually there for any of these occurrences, but I believe that everybody I talked to was telling me the truth as far as they saw it. You know, the truth is, uh, I believe truth is absolute. I believe there are true things and, and false things. But I also believe that it's pretty common for people to tell the truth and be incorrect at the same time. And so I'm not going to say I know that everything people told me is correct, but I am confident that people weren't lying to me, if, if that makes sense, if, the, uh, if that distinction makes sense. So uh, I'm going to read from a legal filing from Puig's attorney talking that gives kind of a background of the timeline of what happened. Uh, It says the government issued a grand jury subpoena to defendant Puig on December 14th, 2021, seeking testimony on February 16th, 2022. Given his commitment to play baseball in the Republic of Korea in the summer of 2022 and his need to leave for Korea in February, Puig's counsel requested that Puig be permitted to sit for an interview in lieu of grand jury testimony. And the government agreed uh, translation. I'm going to try to translate some of those legal speak. The government told Puig in December 21, they wanted to talk to him in February. He said, I'm going to be in Korea by February. Can we do, can we do an interview rather than a grand jury testimony? And they said, yes. Uh, which suggests that at that point, they didn't consider Puig a suspect. You don't let a guy do an interview instead of uh, testifying. If you consider him a suspect, uh, going back to the legal file. the interview take, took place by video conference on January 27th, 2022. Puig was at a hotel and had just returned from a workout. The only person in the room with Puig was a civil attorney who had assisted him in a prior civil matter. The rest of the participants on the interview, including the interpreter, were in different locations on Zoom. Puig did not have his own interpreter and the attorney who was with him did not speak Spanish. Prior to the interview, the prosecutors did not tell Puig's attorney what the interview would be about, other than that it would be about online gambling. Although it is common to request records from a witness to jog memory and because records are often the best evidence, particularly when historical communications are at issue, the government did not request any records from Puig. Uh, and so, uh, I'll, next sense. he therefore had no preparation or context to evaluate the government's questions, although they were asking about communications that took place more than two years before the interview. So again, my, my translation, they they didn't tell Puig what they wanted to talk about, didn't give him a chance to review the text messages they were going to ask him about, the communications. Uh, and he didn't have an interpreter and he had an attorney who didn't speak Spanish, so that attorney couldn't even translate for him. Uh, that's the timeline of wh- how when this interview happened. Uh, in a public statement from Puig's attorney named Carrie Axel, when it was announced that Puig was withdrawing from the agreement to plead guilty, Axel said, at the time of his January 2022 interview, Mr. Puig, who has a third-grade education, had untreated mental health issues and did not have his own interpreter or criminal legal counsel with him. Uh, we have reviewed the evidence, including significant new information, and have serious concerns about the allegations made against Yassiel. Around the same time, Puig's agent, Lizette Carnett, who, I, as I mentioned, I talked to about an unrelated subject about Puig's mental health a week or two before all this happened. Uh, she said at the time that Puig, quote, came to the interview feeling rushed, unprepared, without criminal counsel with him, and also lacked his own interpreter. Given his history growing up in authoritarian Cuba, government interviews are triggered, triggering and only worsen his ADHD systems, symptoms, and other mental health struggles for which he is in treatment. So what I've been trying to dig into is two things, A, what is this new information, and B, why did Puig agree to plead guilty to something he didn't do? So that's what I'm going to dig into when I come back. I got to take a break right now, but thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first lesson every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked on Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball Everything else, we've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. When you're done here, be sure to check out Locked on MLB Prospects for your second listen. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. So as you'll recall, when we went to break, I had identified two questions. What is the new information that Puig's legal team is talking about? And why did Puig agree to plead guilty to something he didn't do? So at the time that Puig withdrew from the plea agreement, he said in a statement, I want to clear my name. I never should have agreed to plead guilty to a crime I did not commit. So why did he? Well, according to this legal filing by Puig's attorney, Kerry Axel, he was presented with what is called a Hobson's choice. That's a term that I, I think I had heard before. I definitely wasn't familiar with it, uh, but apparently it's pretty common in legal situations. Uh, a Hobson's choice, here here is how it's defined. A Hobson's choice is a free choice in which only one thing is actually offered. The term is often used to describe an illusion that multiple chooses are multiple choices are available. The most well-known Hobson's choice is I'll give you a choice, take it or leave it, wherein leaving it is strongly undesirable. So let me go back to this filing from Puig's attorney talking about the Hobson's choice. And, and she lays out exactly why this is a Hobson choice, what that means. As the defendant, sorry, I just changed my window as the defense has informed the court the circumstances defendant was under in deciding whether to enter a plea agreement with the government were difficult at best after retaining criminal counsel on may 25 2022 the government met over zoom with counsel and defendant concerning the government's view of the evidence and his options on june 6 2022 with a short deadline to indicate his willingness to discuss a plea and a plea agreement was issued 8 days after that as As defendant Puig was weighing his options, he was also enduring a grinding work schedule halfway across the world in Korea. For a charge that did not present a danger to anyone and presented no statute of limitations issues, it's not clear why there is a need for haste, but the government clearly was in a hurry. The filing continues. This presented the defendant with a Hobson's choice agree to a plea agreement, or face a midseason arrest and extradition, ruining his season and interfe- interfering with his only source of gainful employment. The impossibility of this choice was compounded by the fact that the defendant had new counsel, was 17 hours away in a different time zone, has a third grade education, ADHD, and needed a Cuban translator to understand the government's complex plea agreement and alleged factual basis. End of the quote from the, from the filing. So that's why Puig agreed to plead guilty, because if he didn't, he would have been arrested and extradited immediately, which would have cost him a lot of money because he would have, wouldn't have been f- able to fulfill his contract with his Korean baseball team. And coming from an author- authoritarian country where being arrested and being convicted looked like basically the same thing, he figured by pleading guilty, he could finish the season and not get any jail time. So it looked like a win to him, even though he didn't think he he did what he was pleading guilty to. So. That's why Puig pleaded guilty. So what's this new information that Puig has? Well, from what I can tell by talking to people, it's not new information to Puig. It's new information to his attorneys. Puig was in Korea while all this was taking place. Once that season ended and he came back home to the United States, his legal team was able to review his electronic communications with a key person. Let me backtrack a little bit. According to his original plea agreement, Puig began placing bets in May 2019 on sporting events through a third party. This third party identified in court documents as agent one worked on behalf of an illegal gambling business conducted by Wayne Joseph Nix, according to the US Attorney's Office. That paragraph is a quote from an article on The Athletic about, uh, about this situation. So Puig began placing bets in May of 2019 through a third party known in documents as agent one. Agent one is a key figure in this whole thing. And to the extent that there are any bombshells in this particular podcast episode, agent one is the bombshell because agent one in all of the discussion about this is known as agent one. The charge against Puig is that he lied to investigators about how he knew agent one. Puig said he knew the guy through baseball but investigators say they have proof that Puig placed bets through agent one, who is acting as a bookie on behalf of the ringleader, Wayne Joseph Nix. Here's the thing. Agent one's name is Donnie Katakawa, D-O-N-N-Y space K-A-D-O-K-A-W-A. Donnie Katakawa. You probably haven't heard the name before. I hadn't heard the name before, but the Dodgers definitely have because Katakawa in a partnership between the Dodgers and his company, company, Kato baseball run the Dodgers training Academy in Honolulu. So to restate the person who acted as a bookie for Yasiel Puig to place illegal bets works in partnership with the Dodgers. Puig literally does, as he told investigators, know Katakawa through baseball. Also, to be clear, my sources tell me that Puig was told by Katakawa repeatedly And almost to the point where a more sophisticated mind might start to find it suspicious, he was told that he was placing bets for Yasiel as his friend. Yasiel didn't know that Katakawa was his bookie. He thought Donnie was his friend who helped him place bets. That's what Puig thought the relationship was. For the record, I reached out to the Dodgers about Donnie Katakawa. I laid out to them very clearly that he is the bookie called Agent 1 mentioned in Puig's original plea agreement. And I asked them for comment. I did not hear back from them. I hope that that was because my email slipped through the cracks or something. Uh, but I didn't hear anything back from them. I, I gave them about a week. In fact, I've, I've been researching this for several weeks. And I've been mostly ready to go public for about a week. And I've been waiting to hear back from the Dodgers. And I didn't. So here it is. So going into this investigation... The government knew that Katakawa had acted as Puig's bookie, but Puig didn't know that. He never thought of Katakawa as his bookie. He thought Katakawa was his friend who plays bets for him. And according to Puig's attorney in a filing, quote, as Puig attempted to refresh his own recollection during the interview using messages on his own device, the government terminated the interview. So let's restate that. Puig was asked about text conversations from two years earlier. With Katakawa, with Donnie Katakawa. And when he wanted to look through his phone to refresh his memory, what did we talk about? Let me look. I have the text message here. The government investigators decided he was lying and they terminated the interview. According to my sources, Puig isn't even remotely the only person who Katakawa acted as a bookie for. He wasn't even the only famous person. But for some reason, Puig is the one they've targeted for prosecution. In fact, even Katakawa who was the bookie working for the guy running the illegal gambling operation Operation has apparently not been charged with anything significant. That seems weird to me. I don't know why. Um, I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to talk a little bit more about why that might be things we know, things we don't know. Wrap this up. Uh, I want to thank you again for making Locked on Dodge your first lesson every weekday morning. And please continue to keep it locked on Dodgers. This episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. We love Built Bar over here. As you know, I, you may not know it by looking at me. I am trying to eat better. I uh, recognize that my current uh, weight and health level is not optimal. And I want to get in better shape. And part of that is eating healthier. And Built Bar is a huge help in that effort because Built Bar is delicious. And yet it's also healthy. I mean, I could just say that it's delicious and healthy. Go buy some. That would be a perfect ad because it's all true. I'll tell you more though. They're all covered in hundred percent real chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. They have unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, so many things that taste so good. I don't know how they do it. I think it's probably magic. There may be science involved too. I don't know. Uh, most of the bars have about 130 calories and four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. So, uh, you need to go get some. Uh, and the best part is you don't have to order them anymore. You still can. You can still go to built.com and, and order them. But you can also go to Walmart or Sam's Club because they are in Walmart and Sam's Club all over the country now. And so everybody has Walmart. Go to Walmart. Get yourself some Built Bar. Then you'll know that I'm telling you the truth. And then, you know, buy as many as you want because they are so good. Head to the nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam, club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Check it out, Built Bar. All right, I am back. I want to thank you one more time for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. It really does mean a lot to us. I know this episode has been a little bit different. Yasiel Pui isn't a current Dodger. He hasn't been a Dodger in what, a little over four years now. Um, He's still a Dodger fan favorite. He's one of my favorites, very complicated guy. Uh, But his first year with the Dodgers was my first year as a Dodger season ticket holder. Uh, My wife and daughter and sons all love Puig. It's been a, it's a complicated relationship for sure. And that's why I was so, interested in what was going on with his legal situation that I dug into this. And, uh, excuse me, uh, it's a, it's a tough situation. And I really don't know why things have happened the way they have, because a lot of things don't make sense to me. I don't know why, but it seems like the government got it in their heads that Puig was lying. And so they got tunnel vision for him. You know, the fact that Puig's team hired famous civil rights attorney Lawrence Middleton suggests to me that they at least suspect something related either to Puig's race or his education le- level some something that would suggest that his civil rights have been violated by the way they've targeted him uh, for prosecution and the Hobsons choice, you know it, it's a uh, it, they're pretty fired up, it seems like uh, And so you know I, I did do some digging and I saw that the same, U.S. Attorney's Office that is prosecuting Puig was actually sued by one of their own attorneys a couple years ago. Uh, Let me just read to you a little bit from this article in the Orange County Register from 2021, July of 2021. Uh, Headline, federal prosecutor in Santa Ana alleges U.S. Attorney's Office discriminates against minority employees. Uh, Subheader, Assistant U.S. Attorney Charles Pell who works in Santa Ana, claims his association with minority prosecutors negatively affected his performance review. Uh, And then the article, a federal prosecutor in Santa Ana is suing the U.S. Department of Justice, alleging supervisors retaliated against him for complaining about widespread racism within the U.S. attorney's office. Charles Pell, who is white, contends in a federal whistleblower lawsuit filed last week that his less than outstanding performance review in 2020 Stemmed from his associations with Black and Latino female prosecutors in his office. He was also disciplined by his supervisors. Pell filed a formal complaint with the Department of Justice's Equal Employment Opportunity Office on June 29, 2020, but has since exhausted all ad- administrative remedies. His lawsuit seeks unspecified damages. And then a quote from the lawsuit really spoke to me with regards to this Puig situation says, Uh, talking about Pell's lawsuit. This case is about discrimination and absolutely the last place it should ever exist in a federal prosecutor's office responsible for deciding whom to investigate, charge, and imprison, and in one of the most diverse areas of the nation. Uh, Yeah, The, the U.S. Attorney's Office, with their responsibility on deciding who to investigate and who to charge, the fact that this office has had... Accusations of racism—it's at least a little concerning. And uh, you know, one of the uh, another article talked about one of the things that happened is a supervisor <laughs> talked about one black attorney's quote unquote pimp daddy suit, just very clearly racially insensitive, and and it's at least enough to make you wonder. Okay, does this have anything to do with the fact that Puig? Is black or is Latino or it doesn't speak English or doesn't have, you know, has a third grade education. It's, you know, Puig's not dumb, but he's uneducated, and there's definitely a difference there. And there are things, situations, uh, from what I can tell from talking to people, Puig was in situations where he misread a situation because of his lack of education, lack of sophistication, and his experience growing up in Cuba, where the government is not as trustworthy as the US government is supposed to be. And so it's a different thing. And to be fair, and to be clear, that US Attorney's Office is now run by a different prosecutor. And coincidentally or not, he is a Latino. Uh, And so I suspect that uh, there was a focus on bringing in a minority to run that office, at least in part because of These accusations from Charles Pell and to be clear, Martina Estrada from everything I can find is a well-respected attorney. I'm not saying he got the job because he's Latino, uh, but I'm saying that uh, the fact that he's Latino was probably factored in because this office needed a voice that, uh, you know, a Latino or minority voice. And so because he was a great attorney, great prosecutor and a Latino, he, you know, I'm sure that played into it. So there's a a lot of unanswered questions in this whole Puig saga, including why wasn't the bookie Donnie Katakawa charged? Why was the government in such a hurry to prosecute Puig that they resorted to Hobson's choice? Did they think they could get away with it because of Puig's education level, his lack of sophistication? Well, they almost did. Puig agreed to plead guilty. They almost got away with this Hobson's choice. It wasn't until they luckily... You know, they were able to, but I, I guess there's things, uh, I almost said something that somebody told me I, I couldn't say, um, because it would identify them. So, uh, but the government resorted to a Hobson's choice, knowing that that was legally unethical or at least questionable, and they almost got away with it. And that's scary. You know, another question, why do they have such, or why did they have such a hard time with the idea of Puig trying to remember, what he actually said in text messages to his friend slash bookie when the questions they were asking about what he said in text messages to his friend slash bookie. Uh, it seems more like they were trying to catch him in a lie than that they were trying to gather information. And why did they target Puig instead of any of the many other people who place bets through Donnie Katakawa? You know, like, like I said earlier, I really hope that my email to the Dodgers just fell through the cracks. Uh, and that as soon as they, find out that they've partnered up with a shady bookie, they'll end that relationship. I don't know. I I really hope they do though, because look, gambling on, on sports is legal in some States. It's illegal in other States. Uh, It's, I I don't know the law in Hawaii. I know the law in California. It's still illegal in California. Um, So there's no question that Yasiel Puig broke the law, but he's not being charged with illegal gambling. He's being charged with lying to pro- to investigators. It's not totally clear that he lied. they I'm sure I mean, I just recorded a thirty minute podcast wherein I probably said forty things that I probably could have worded more clearly. I'm positive that Puig could have answered some questions better. I don't think that Puig was lying. I think when he said he knew. Donnie Katakawa through baseball. That was because he knew Donnie Katakawa through baseball. He didn't know him as a bookie. He knew him as my friend Donnie, who also places some bets for me because he knows how to do that and I don't. Okay, but the government decided that he was lying. So they targeted him. They honed in on him. And for whatever reason, the, the Hobson's choice, telling him, either plead guilty or we're going to have Interpol arrest you in Korea. That's so shady. It's just so shady. And I, I don't know what all the answers are. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, if Puig technically lied at some point. I, I do think from talking to people who know Puig, who know Donny Katakawa, who know the relationship that they had, Puig didn't think of Donnie Katakawa as his bookie. And that's what this case all hinges on, that Yasiel Puig told investigators, I know Donnie Katakawa through baseball, and they said, "Uh ah-ah, he's your bookie. You lied to us. That's the whole case. Unless there's something that hasn't been made public yet, that's the whole case. And if you think that it's so important to prosecute a guy giving an interview in not his native language without criminal uh, attorney representation for saying that he knows a guy through baseball, who he knows through baseball. It, it's, it's, it's a waste of taxpayer money and it's probably a miscarriage of justice. That's probably what it is. At the very least, it's a waste of taxpayer money. And it needs to go away. It's ridiculous. And so my call right now, Dodgers, I, I, I know nobody from the Dodgers listens to this podcast, but I know a lot of people do. And I hope that word will get out, at, get to the Dodgers, that they are partnered up with Donnie Katakawa through Dodgers Training Academy in Honolulu, and that Donnie Katakawa uses his status as being partnered with the Dodgers to become a bookie for at least one professional athlete and maybe more. And that the Dodgers will do the right thing, cut ties with Donnie Katakawa immediately. I, I don't understand why Katakawa hasn't been prosecuted. If he's acting as an illegal bookie, why are they going after Yasiel Puig instead? But at the least, look look at me, If you're watching on on YouTube right now, I've got my Dodger head on. I've got a Dodger shirt on. I've got locked on Dodgers in the bottom left corner of your screen. I've got eight zillion Dodger bobbleheads behind me. I love the Dodgers. You guys know, if you ever listen to this podcast, I love the Dodgers. And I do not like the fact that they are partnered up with this shady piece of garbage who turned on Yasiel Puig. After lying to him, telling him oh, I'm just placing these bets as your buddy, and turns on him, gets the government after him. That's the only only thing I can guess happened. That Katakawa must have pointed them in Puy's direction, and that's why he didn't get prosecuted. Whatever it is, he should not be associated with the team that I love. That's my bottom line. That's all I have for today. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts in the YouTube comment section, on social media, wherever. Thank you again for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I am on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com and our phone number for voicemails or text messages is 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree, you just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow.